launching a brand new service the next morning. And, uh, and I wasn't sure what to expect. And so I went to bed that night thinking, okay, I, I know that we're supposed to do this, this thing we were going to call the service. Um, I knew we were supposed to do it, but I wasn't sure if God had been telling anyone else that. Besides Phil, I knew Phil was going to be there, and I was hoping my wife was going to be there. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, you know, we really, really didn't know. And so I remember going to bed that night, you know, not, not sure what, what to expect. And last night, same kind of thing. Um, felt that God was saying we're supposed to start this brand new church. And I was hoping Phil was going to come again and hoping my wife was going to come again. And some of you have RSVP'd for today. But beyond that, I didn't know what to expect. And it is so exciting to see what, what God is, is doing here. Boy, I have no doubt at all, no doubt at all that God is in this thing. And as I look out, it is so exciting to see that perhaps God's calling some other people to this too. And I, and I know your presence here is not a sign of, okay, long term, I'm here. You know, some of you are here to, to, to cheer God on for this first day. Some of you are checking things out. That's great. It took Laura and I about two years, you know, to, to make the transition from the first whispers. So, you know, take your time. But I look around this room, and I know so many of you, if you know some of the people in this room, you, you got to start thinking, what if? What if? What if these things that God has been whispering, what if we could actually live them out? What if God took us, and as the scripture says in Acts, added, the Lord added more over time, what if? What if we became this church that, that, that he's whispering to some of us? I mean, this is an amazing group of people. Oh, what a great group of people to live with, to, to learn with. It would be fun. Some of you know there's some interesting timing in today, September 9th, 2007. We established two weeks ago that it's Becky Hoffer's birthday. Um, we, we established that. I also heard it was grandparents' day. Is that true? Do I get a second? Okay, so we, we've established those. But there was this other event. Last time September 9th fell on a Sunday was that time we were launching that other service that we just called the service because we couldn't come up with a name of it back then. So this feels strangely familiar. You know, we, we didn't feel ready then and we don't feel ready today. If it looks like we feel ready, we're doing a good job of faking it. Um, but here's one thing that's different. Here's one thing that's different. I am, and I'm not just saying this, I am even more convinced that God wants this church to happen. He does. I don't, I don't throw that out just for those of you who we don't know each other yet. I don't throw out God told me. I don't throw out, I mean, that stuff, that's like scary to talk like that. But I'm convinced. I don't just think. I'm convinced that God wants this church to happen. And I wrote these words down. I am even more convinced that God has plans for this church that he can't even reveal to us yet because if we knew now what we are one day going to see come to pass, we would freak. We'd freak. Because we're like, no, no way. I'm, I'm convinced of this. God didn't show um, David Goliath until first they dealt with the lion and the bear. You know, God's timing sometimes is, is like that. This is going to be interesting to say the least. Take like the whole basket, basketball thing. Um, we had, 
we had set up the date for this, right? And I'd fill out the contract and all that kind of stuff, and we'd get all the word out. Okay, September 9th, September 9th, September 9th. And then after the fact, I find out there's basketball stuff going on where we were planning to have the kids. And, and so I'll just, I'm, I'm an honest person. I'll just be honest with you. My first reaction was not like this holy thing. My first reaction was, ah, oh, ah. Oh. Because we had these plans in our head, and, oh, man, what if we could have the whole building and we could do this and that and the other thing? And then I believe, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of, Knock some sense into me and like, wait a minute. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Isn't this exactly what God's called us into, you know? To, to, and, I, and I know that this is like our first date, you know, um, as a church and a new people. And so you're, you're not supposed to, you're, you know, best foot forward, don't reveal too much, you're too little, whatever. But, but I, I just, I just got to tell you where we're going. Um, we're not going to be a safe little church. You know, we're not going to be this, this safe little thing. Again, we're not going to put you in awkward situations, all that kind of thing. That's totally different. But, we, but, but I believe that, um, that, when, that, that following Jesus is, doesn't take you into this little Christian bubble. I, I believe that. I, I think that's what we see in the scripture. Jesus' intent was for his followers to shine. We're supposed to shine like a city on a hill at night. And so often believers act as though... The, the world or whatever, this night is like this dark cloud coming to rain on their picnic. And it's, and it's not like that. It's not like that at all. Either God is real or he isn't. Either Christianity works in the real world or it doesn't. And, I, and I, I'm just convinced that God does not desire us to just go and retreat into these fake little worlds and pretend that things aren't the way they are and act like things in our own lives aren't the way they are, but to just come and be honest and be real and do all that in the open. So, so bring on all the basketball tryouts and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, um, We were setting up yesterday, and this chipmunk somehow got into the building, and here's this group of middle schoolers chasing a chipmunk all around the halls. And I'm like, great, we're the chipmunk-chasing church. I, I don't know. You know. It's great. Let's be that. You know, let's, let's whatever. Let's just gather in God's name. Follow him and, and see what happens. And a quick side note, maybe some of you guys dropped your kids off for the basketball tournament and you're just buying time. Great. It might not be coincidence. It's just a, just a thought. Well, I, I'm excited about today. It's our first service, and it's a cool thing. It's been so fun to see how God's pulling stuff together. So fun. No person, no one person can take credit for this. And that's the way it needs to be. No one person can take credit for this. In fact, no people can take credit. Um, I, I love telling this story. Many of you have heard it a lot. I'm, I'll, I'll get at why I keep telling the story in a bit, but I got to tell it because some people haven't heard it. Um, even our name is this is a is a God thing, because I didn't want to start a new church. I didn't. I was resistant to it. Laura didn't want to start a new church. We fought this thing for for time and time and time again, and so we didn't want to start this new church. But we felt like this voice just kept pursuing us. You know, in the way I saw it, there's all kinds of churches, all kinds of them all around on this row. There's all kinds of churches. You know what I mean? Um, maybe some of you made a wrong turn this morning. I, I don't know. You know there's uh, churches all over the place. And I thought, okay, God, if you are calling me to something different, probably like a family pastor somewhere else, because senior pastor thing too, oh, man, at this stage of my life, I, I didn't want that either. So here this, this thing keeps bugging me and bugging me and bugging me. So I thought, okay, God, if you are calling us to start a church from scratch, 
okay, what would you call, I mean, what would we, what would we call it? So in my mind, I started thinking. In my mind, I started thinking, okay, what, what would we call it? Because I don't want to just do um, the thing where you, you call your church something really bland so that nobody's offended. And you, you, it could be the name of a church or a retirement community or a golf course, you know. And I'm like, I, okay, that's not us. That's not us, you know. And, and if God calls you to do that, then, then great. That's not who we're supposed to be. And then there's the other extreme that people take. And, and there's a lot of trendy names right now. I won't throw them out there. But, but in my opinion, it, I, they're going to regret having those names because people are going to say, you founded your church in the year 2007, you know. And so I'm like, I couldn't think of anything. And so I'm thinking of this for, for literally weeks. And finally, I said, okay, God, because I get bucky sometimes, you know, with people. And it relates sometimes with God. I try not to be bucky with God, but it happens sometimes. And, and so I said, okay, God, you want me to start a church. What would you call it? And this is not hyperbole. That second, I didn't hear out loud and flash a light or anything, but inside, Emmanuel Covenant Church. And I'm like, oh, Emmanuel, it means God with us. Who doesn't want to be a part of God with us? That is a cool name. And then Emmanuel Covenant Church, a covenant with God to be God with us and experience God with us and with each other. And then there's this children's home, Emmanuel Children's Home, that so many, how many have been there or, or a family member's been there? Okay, look at these hands. All right, so many of us um, who are in this room to start, we're connected to that. And what a great reminder that pure religion is this, to care for the widow and orphan, not to have the neatest, slickest, whatever. So I'm thinking, that's a great name. <laughs> that is a great name. But some of you have heard that story. No one else has heard this story, though. Um, this, let me put a new twist on that, because many of you have heard that story. New twist. This just happened this week. Um, uh, when I was putting together the, my thoughts for today and praying through it, I, I had a folder that I'd just been sticking stuff in. And in the folder, on one piece of paper, I'd written Isaiah 62. I was at a conference once, and, and they talked about Isaiah 62, 12, but I forgot the 12 part. And so I just wrote down Isaiah 62. So I'm like, I don't know why I wrote that down. Let me go find it. And, and, and open it up. So I open up, and not knowing that I was supposed to be looking for Isaiah 62, 12, I open up my Bible, and look what else is in Isaiah 62. Can we put this up there? I also put this in your notes. You will be called by a what? New name. And then here's the scary part. That the mouth of the Lord will bestow. How cool is that? And as I'm reading this, I, I, some of you have had this experience where you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden something, it's as if it, you, something inside says, this is for you. Forget Isaiah 62, 12. That might be applied to us later. This verse resonated. So you guys, God is even in our name. And some of you, your weirdo meters are just going like this right now because you're like God speaking and all this kind of stuff. Just be open, okay? Just be open. Just be open. Because I believe God still wants to speak to us. This is so cool too. Because here's the thought that came to my head then. How many times in the Bible do we see where God gives a name? I forgot about that. God gives a name. And often when he gives a name, it's not who this person is. It's who they're going to become. Who they're going to be. And when people see our name, our logo, can we put, can you click to a slide that has our, what's, what's, what are they going to see? When they see our logo, what do they see first? What's prominent? What's big? cross. What else is big? As far as the, the type, what else is big? Emmanuel. Whose name do we bear? We don't bear the name of a city. We don't bear the name of a park. We don't bear any name other than God. 
God with us. That's spooky. And who are we? I, I, I just was overcome when, I, when the dots started, you know, adding up or whatever. I don't know if dots add, but let's pretend they do. Um, who are we? Was my thought. That, that God is going to trust us with a name like that. We're just a bunch of people meeting in a middle school auditorium. You know? Who are we that God would trust us with a name like that? We have a nursery and a choir room. We've got homeless um, kids because they can't meet in their normal space. We box all our stuff up and we put it in a trailer. Your pastor squeaks like a junior hire himself right there. You know, <laughs> this is what we got. <laughs> have we arrived? No. Can we live up to that name right now? No. You know, our name is a calling. It is as much a calling as it is a name. It seems as though we have some unfinished business. We've got some unfinished business. And that's not just implicit from our name. I mean, every week it is becoming more and more clear that this church is God's idea. We could spend all afternoon just on the, the stories. The story of how God led us to this covenant denomination. That this, my first covenant church service ever in my whole life is right now, today. You know, so how did God let us there? The story of how God gave us favor with the church I was at North Heights and how they, they blessed us right when we needed blessing the most. The story of how God led us here to start out. Prophetic words coming at the right time, dramatic answers to prayer at the 11th hour. You guys, God's positioning us. He's positioning us. There was unfinished business here. And I am not a person that does well with unfinished business. Maybe some of you are like that. I hear some chuckling. I mean, it's, seriously, I'm, I, I'm, I love to check things off, like get it done. I love to check it off. And maybe some of you are, are as sick as me in this area where you'll do something and you'll write it down and check it off so that it can be checked off. Anyone ever done that before? All right, after you've already done it, write it down and check it off so you can check it off, you know? I, I don't like unfinished business. Um, and, and, and sometimes unfinished business, it can just eat at you. You know, if you're, if you've ever, if you ever experienced this or talked to somebody who, who's like, if only I would have finished school, you know, or if only I would have said, I was sorry, or if only I would have tried out for that team, or if only I would have took this risk, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's hard to live with, isn't it? That unfinished business in a, in a big way. There was this guy who came to my door some Saturday afternoon. We live across the street from one of the Presbyterian homes. And this guy comes walking to our door and he, he knocks and he's kind of he's doing the sheepish thing like this. You know, and he knocks. And, and I open the door and he goes, and he could see that I was a guy. And so right away, he, I could tell he was thrown. And he goes, does so-and-so still live here? He gave this woman's name. So-and-so still live here? And I'm thinking, I've lived in this house 10 years. The people before me who didn't fit the name, I think lived there like five. This guy was 15 years too late. You don't want to have unfinished business. You don't want unfinished business. You don't. And especially with God. You don't want unfinished business with God. Paul, he had unfinished business with God. He got blinded for a while. Jonah, he had unfinished business with God. What happened to him? He gets swallowed by a whale. So there you go. <laughs> Now, some of you would rather, some of you would rather be swallowed by the whale than live with this thing that some of you are going to know exactly what I'm talking about, where you feel like God's not done with you yet. You know, this thing that kind of pursues you of, hey, 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 I've called you to be more. I've called you to walk away from something. I've called you to walk towards something. Some of you know what that's like. It's like, swallow me by the whale. Just get off my back. You know, you know what unfinished business is, is like. Could this church be the context 
for you to experience some finished business? I, I don't know. I can't answer that. But I can say this. God is not silent these days. He is not silent these days. And he has been speaking to people who have ears to hear. And some of those people who I trust, there's some people that come to me, they say, oh, God told me this. It's like, yeah, okay. You know, there's others when they say that, it's like, what? And some of the people who are the what people, they've been saying some amazing things that they believe God is saying to us. Some amazing things. This morning, I decided for our text today, I decided not to pick a scripture. I decided to let a scripture pick us. And I took one of these, which might not have been a good idea because (laughs) which could have been really bad. I'll keep, should I grab one of these or you'll just keep playing with stuff? All right. (laughs) That's your job. Sure. Hey, oh, look at that. Okay. (laughs) So everyone listen up. (laughs) Wow. Under underscore Um, Exodus 33. We better open to this one. If you brought your Bibles today, open up. Um, open them up. Now, what we'll do each week is we'll try to put most of the verses up on the screen or put them in your notes. But we think it's a great idea to bring your Bibles and open up because sometimes there's these other things that jump out. You can mark it up. You can underline. Again, it's not like a requirement or anything, but we encourage you to do it. Let's take a look at Exodus 33 before the... No, I don't even want to make a joke anymore about that. Okay, we're going to look at one of these scriptures that, that, um, that people gave to us. Someone came to me and they literally said, I think this verse is for you. They told me 18 through 23, but as I looked at this, um, and use some of my own discernment too. I, I, I picked some of the first ones to overlap it. Here we go. Exodus 33, starting with verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I've promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out all kind of itites. Um, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go with you. I'm glad she didn't just quote that one. But I will not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people. And I might what? Okay, so when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn. And no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the people, you're stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you for even a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments and I'll decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. Like that, for instance. He called it the tent of meeting. How convenient. We have a tent here today. Um, uh, And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, which pastors would love to preach that verse. The pastor goes to the tent. The people rise. Oh, come back with what God says. We're not going there. Okay. Um, As Moses went to the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to his or her tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. All right. Now we're getting to the stuff where she said, this is for you. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I I know you by name, and you have found favor with me, but but if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. 
How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and all you, the people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And then the Lord said to Moses, I will do this very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Show me. Now show me your glory. All right, let's take a look what this, this, this had to say. Finally, some of you who are get-ahead, organized people are going, when is he getting to this thing? The orange sheet. We're getting to the orange sheet now, okay? So take out the orange sheet. And um, if you want to write some things down, you, you sure can. If you want, um, we could flag down. And, do we have a couple of ushers that could maybe grab some pens too if you want to write some stuff down? Um, do we have? Yeah, there they go. They're grabbing. Okay, if, um, if you want, these guys will just, just flag one of them down. They can get you a pen. All right. Um, verse 1 starts with, leave this place. And I was glad that she didn't say, verse 1 is for you. <laughs> That would have been bad. Um, like, get out of here. Uh, that type of thing. But truth be told, truth be told, there was somewhat of a leave this place going on in my life and in the lives of some of you. The Bible says that new wine requires new wineskins. And God is wanting to do something new here. We have some unfinished business we're supposed to be a part of. Well, if you're taking notes, here's, here's the first fill-ins. What we want to look at in the last couple minutes here together is our journey from unfinished business to well done. How do we get from unfinished business to well done? Elsewhere in the Bible, it says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And I believe that that's true. But I also believe you can't just look at that verse all by itself. You have to look at the whole of Scripture and see how the whole of Scripture informs that verse because that verse is not just like kick back and God's going to do what he started. If you look at the whole of Scripture, it seems to be that God will ultimately do his work and he'll do it in and among you provided you let him. You can, let's say that for another time because we could go off on a tangent there. According to the books of, book of Acts, we can resist the Spirit. Can we put the Acts passage up there, the Acts 7.51? Look at what it says. This is New Testament now. This is after the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, and they're still using some Old Testament language. It says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Look at that phrase, stiff-necked. Does that ring a bell? Can we flip back to something we already read, Ex- Exodus? The Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses... Um, no, go back to, um, to uh, yeah, verse 3. There we go. Go up to a land filling with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you're a what? Stiff-necked people. I made a joke about the leave this place thing before, but the most tragic thing in the universe, the thing that we probably don't talk about enough, is that there's going to be some people that hear that on that final day. There are going to be some people that hear Leave my presence for a final time. And then the Bible says that others are going to hear, well done, well done. And by the way, it's not too late. Even the criminal on the cross basically got a well done. We'll talk more about that in future, future um, times together. Well, what's true for individuals is also true for groups. We see it in Exodus 33.3. You, you, you can be not just a stiff-necked person. You can be a stiff-necked church. I almost am tempted to raise, people raise hands like, how many have been to a stiff-necked church? Don't do it. <laughs> but but you, you know what that's like, right? And I can picture God looking at so many churches and saying, what happened to you? You started off, every church started as a church plant. And they didn't just gather, oh, I hate, 
life and let's just be miserable together and let's just do a church where nothing ever happens. You know, no, there, churches start with so much promise and so much excitement. And usually the, there's this, this passion and all these things. And, and then what happens? You know, you fight over what color to do carpet and yet, you know, all this kind of stuff. And there's politics and all these things. And, 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 and if you resist God's business and be stiff-necked, that can be a really bad thing. You can find yourself positioned against God as an individual or as a, as a group. If you have your um, Bibles open to Exodus um, 33, look at verse 7. Some people think this is really symbolic. I don't know if, if you can put it on the screen. Go ahead and put it up. But, um, but I'll just touch on it here quick. Um, some, it says that Moses, what he would do is he would actually, they, they set this tent up outside the camp. And Moses would leave the camp and he would go to the tent. And some say that's symbolic of God's presence, you know, showing some separation with the people. And if you want to see why, read chapter 32, not, not their finest hour at all. And so there's this whole symbolic thing of, okay, Moses leaves the people, goes, meets with, with God in this closed-door tent because that's where God's presence is. It's not with the, the, the people. But what you start to see in chapter 33 is the people are starting the journey back. They're starting the journey back. They're getting some things right. And the next fill-in in your, in your notes is, is something that's so important. If you want to walk this journey out from unfinished business to well done, it's so important that you do this, that you walk in right reverence. And if you could put that up on the screen, that's the next blank. And I've been sleep-deprived for the last couple weeks, and so last night I'm typing this all in for the final thing, and that Elmer Fudd voice came in my head, walking in white reverence. That's going to it. And so I... Sorry. Okay, so... <laughs> Anyway, this, this walking in right reverence is important. You know, um, it, it's so important. The people, when they would stand up and show this reverence when Moses would walk to the tent, they weren't hyper-reverent for Moses. Ver- chapter 32, they're like, who is this Moses fellow anyway? They're using that kind of language. It was more of this new sensitivity to reverence for God that they had. And Moses, as the leader, didn't have this, let this get to my head now, and, oh, look at all these people standing. I will be right back with God's word. It's, the Bible says he was among the most humble people ever to walk this earth. So there were these people walking in reverence to God, reverence to God. Israel had to learn the hard way. They got smited in, verse 30, in chapter 32. Let's not learn the hard way as a, as a new congregation. Let's, let's live with right reverence. So now I'm coming back to why I tell some stories over and over and over again. It is not because I don't have new things to say. All right? When I repeat a story, maybe once in a while it's because I forgot, but most of the time it's not. I'm, I'm, it has more to do with this right reverence idea. Listen to what the Bible says. There's a biblical precedence for sharing again and again the stories of what God has done. Here's just a couple examples. Deuteronomy 4 9. These won't be on the screen. I'm just going to give them fast. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and your children after them. Deuteronomy 11:19. Talking about them as you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Psalm 9.1, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 71.15, my mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. This is part of reverence. If you want to hear well done, we can't forget who God is and who's really responsible for this. You know, it's God who gave us his name, our name. It's God who gave us favor. It's God who let us hear. It is God who inspired all these people to get involved. You guys, this will be a church to be excited about. It will. But 
Let's be careful, okay? Because if you start hearing people drift from, we are excited about what's happening to, we're just start taking credit for it. I mean, put a hand up over their mouth. I'm serious. And if I ever get up here, I'm I'm saying this literal. If I ever get up here and start acting like, this is my idea or I can take credit, you come up the stairs and just, shh, shh. We'll get smited. You know, it's not quite that simple these days. But, but that, you get my point, right? Because we've got to walk in reverence to what God has done, what God is doing. That's when you get to the well done. It's not well done because you're so great. It's well done because you allowed God to do what he wanted to do. This is God's idea. It's God's church. And reverence is one of these keys to experiencing his presence. The second part is related. Um, there's a place to write this down too, the deference piece. You can write that down. That's the next blank. Deference. Write deference. Reverence is mostly an attitude type thing. Deference is more about action. When you defer, you say, you know more than I do. That's deferring. In our house, Laura and I, um, when we have something come up, we have a lot of ties. I think we should do this. She thinks we should do that. One of our tie-solving techniques is sometimes one or the other gets one and a half votes. It's usually one-to-one, but sometimes you give someone else one-and-a-half. Like if it's finances or um, maintenance-type things, I get the one-and-a-half votes when we talk it all out. And then if it's like almost everything else, (laughs) then then Laura gets the one-and-a-half votes because she knows more than I do about that that thing. And I I trust her. It's like, okay, I'll say my piece, but ultimately we defer to to one another. And if we want to reach that well done, we've got to defer to God. We can bring our requests before him. We can argue with God. There's precedence for that. But there comes a point where you just you defer to what God says and what God seems to be saying. I'm working on drafting the strategic plan for a church. <laughs> and, and I love business stuff. I love reading Jim Collins and, and, and all these, these, these amazing thinkers. Jack 